0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back... To the open guard cast. That means we are open to many things, including new guests. We tried the open car cast twice. It didn't work out. We <laughs> failed. But you know what you do when you fail? You get back up and you pick that damn weight off the ground with Electrum Performance. You can't do it with any other brand. Maybe you can. I don't want to speak for other brands, but Electrum Performance, run by Alex Sterner of the Golden Voice, the Duke of Deadlift himself, you will get the help you need to become thick, mean, lean, and swole. So we are joined by Kenny Florian. My name is. Jake Watson, Maracaba BJJ black belt and disgraced commentator with Danny <laughs> O'Donnell, who is not the Irish singer, but everybody thinks he is. He is a black belt under Mar- uh, Marcio Andre Academy. We're joined by one Kenny Florian for episode 90 of the Open Guard cast. Kenny, thank you for joining us.
1: What's up, guys? I <laughs> had to do another one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah we
2: had, uh, This is our second take. We had some audio issues, but thanks, Kenny, for, for sticking it out with us. We really appreciate
0: it. For sure. All right. Well, uh, I actually want to get the first question going. Um, I know that you've been asked probably about a lot of things you've done in your career. You have a very colorful career. You've done a lot of amazing work with the UFC, not just fighting and being a part of some of uh, the most amazing moments, such as when you elbowed Alex Care and immediately celebrated, Uh, but also (laughs) – On The Ultimate Fighter. And I know that on The Ultimate Fighter, you competed as a middleweight. And uh, I'm not going to ask anything about necessarily your fight experience on the show. But I want to know what was your biggest takeaway from your time in the whole process of being in the house? And how much of that do you still carry with you today?
1: You know, I I think just like staying passionate about what you're doing um, and just focusing on getting better. I I think that's the biggest thing, um, I guess, for me um, is... Continuing to evolve, whether you win or lose, just understanding that the goal is trying to get better, and um, you know the highs and lows that you experience, whether it's in training or competition or in life, um, is just a part of your uh, overall learning process. And staying true to that, and um, and doing your best to, to learn from all your dumb mistakes that <laughs> you do, and I I've made a lot. So I, I think that's that's the key. <laughs>
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think something you talked about that is really interesting. I feel like what set you apart from other fighters in the UFC is that you were constantly evolving. And I feel like it's very cliche for fighters to talk about trying to evolve from training camp to training camp and from fight to fight. But we actually saw you implement a lot of new skills every single time you fought. So can you talk a little bit about what it took to be able to do that and maybe why a lot of fighters struggle with
1: that process? Yeah, you know, I I always wished I, I, I was able to improve more and faster and all that stuff. But I think the key is really trying to be as honest with yourself as possible. You know, I think it's easy to point the finger and and, uh, blame the referee. And and, and certainly um, they're at fault sometimes. But uh, more than anything else, you know, you kind of have to point the finger at at yourself first before anyone and say, number one, did I do everything possible um, to be the best fighter that I could be? Um, and what were those mistakes, uh, precisely what were those mistakes and how can you get better? Um, and what kind of elements do you need to take out or add in, uh, to the process? Um, and I think as a fighter, um, sometimes you you have to be a little selfish in that process and, and, um, you know, whether it's spending more time or, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, taking certain elements out of your life or certain people out of your life in order to be the best that you could possibly be. I I think that's what you need to do. Um, And uh, yeah, I I think, you know, if you love that process, um, you're going to look at, you're going to look after yourself and and you're going to look at uh, all the things that you're doing right and wrong. I think a lot of times people um, get too much ego um, and they don't want to admit fault. And I think that's probably the biggest impediment to improving in anything.
0: Yeah, I really like that you circled that back around to life. You know, we started out on the concept of, of like mixed martial arts. It could be about jiu jitsu, but I think it's one of the most beautiful things about a combat sport is because it's one on one and your adversary can be anything and you can relate it to anything. So I, re- I think that can be a really, I mean, Danny, I want your take on it too. That could be a really good message for people just because keep in mind, not everybody. Like I was raised on the mats, so it's a little different. But somebody coming into jujitsu or even becoming a fan of martial arts in like their twenties or their thirties can also learn a lot from that lesson.
2: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like I feel like, like you said, Kenny, sometimes you kind of have to take like a really realistic and honest look at, at where your skills are and where you need to improve. And and you also mentioned sometimes you need to add or subtract different people um, from your life in order to to help you reach your goals. So do you feel like? Because I know you you did go through some changes with some of your coaches throughout your career. Did you feel like that was a big a big part of your your growth process too? And and how difficult was that to to n- not necessarily like completely abandon
1: old coaches, but yeah. to add different people into the game? Was that was that difficult um, at all? Oh, for sure. You know, and 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 that's the thing. You know, it's like um, you know I, I truly believe that like every white belt I've trained with, or any person that I've ever trained with or spoken with. Um, Can be an excellent teacher Um, and I I think keeping an open mind and understanding um, What you need uh, as an athlete as a competitor as a martial artist um, and you know Understanding what elements you 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 really need are going to be what allows you to grow and You know changes are always difficult for people you know a lot of times we become creatures of habit with a lot of different things um, and embracing change i think is huge and uh, if you need to go elsewhere if you need to bring people in uh, to make you better then that's what you need to do and and i think that a lot of times we get comfortable with processes and sometimes that can help us and a lot of times it can hurt us you know our biggest strengths can be our biggest weaknesses and understanding that repeatedly throughout our process is huge um, and and it's it's not an easy thing it's not an easy thing to to, um, to identify all the time. Hmm. For sure. So so one of the coaches that you started working with, I
2: think probably in like the second half of your, your fighting career was Feras Sahabi. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it was like working with him? Because a lot of people, I, th- I think they hear about him through stories about George St. Pierre, mm-hmm. some some other top athletes, but but what are some some of the things that he brought to the table that were really unique and
0: different?
1: You know, Feras is one of those guys who's had a tremendous amount of experience, you know, uh, being a coach for someone like a George St. Pierre, uh, they would have seen and experienced a lot of different fighters, a lot of different styles. And, you know, for us has traveled around and, you know, whether it's, you know, going to Thailand or uh, experiencing coaching from a lot of different areas jiu jujitsu and wrestling. Um, you know, those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. Um, you want to find people who kind of think like you, but also that uh, have, have more experience and have a lot of wisdom to impart. So, for us, just was one of those guys. Um, there's not a whole lot of guys that have been in those huge fights like for us, and um, you know, being a part of all those camps with George St. Pierre, he, he would have seen a lot, and it, it was evident very early on that um, he was an experienced coach, uh, a, a true martial artist, and a very intelligent guy. So, you know, I, I think that that's a huge thing: is surrounding yourself. Um, with, with other people that are going to be positive influences and who are going to share the same kind of values and same kind of, um, you know, work ethic as you as well. You know, it, it it's interesting, you know, you surround yourself with certain people, they can bring you down, they can um, bring a negative view, a negative perspective into your life. And I think it's important to have people who are going to be real with you, of course, uh, that aren't going to just spew bullshit, but you also want to have people that are going to be positive, that are going to be working hard, uh, you surround yourself with guys who are just going to be, like, partying all the time and just having fun. Well, guess what? That's what you're going to do. Um, and, you know, staying focused as a martial artist is is so important. Mm. Yeah, sure. that, really resonates, yeah. that
0: really resonates with me for sure.
2: Yeah, well, one thing I, I noticed about just listening to Farras, like he has his own podcast and listening to different interviews with him, it seems like he prefers the approach of taking – each individual martial art, and bringing in specialists in those areas to have to train with his MMA guys to try and you know really elevate those areas individually mm-hmm. instead of just training MMA like collectively. Do you do you think that's something that he do, does differently? Was that something that he brought to the table that was a little bit unique compared to some other coaches?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that that is huge. You know, um, within each discipline, you have uh, you know your Good guys, you're great guys uh, and you're truly elite guys. And you know, not only does it help you on a technical level to understand what they're doing, but I think it also there's a, a special wisdom that is gained with their approach. like how did they arrive at those conclusions? What are they doing in order to find that? you know um, and again, those are guys that are more likely than not spending an insane amount of time. Uh, doing Muay Thai or karate or Jiu-Jitsu or wrestling. And, you know, I was surrounded by guys like Gia Sassaudi, uh in Montreal, a guy who was um, a wrestling world champion, a guy who was a silver medalist in the Olympics and, you know, had a, had the opportunity to do private lessons with him on wrestling. You know, he was at the time that I rolled with him, like one of the best grapplers I had ever connected with, like he was, he felt like he was doing jiu jitsu when he was doing wrestling. It was that kind of feel, like he was just a ghost. Uh, and then he was like a solid wall when he wanted to be, you know? So it was, hmm. it was, it was amazing to feel that. Um, and then kind of understand, like, oh, okay, like, wait a sec. This isn't about jiu jitsu. This is the way grappling is supposed to be. Um, you know, you can be, um, you know, a solid brick wall, or you can move like water. And it isn't just for jiu-jitsu. It's with, it's what makes grappling, grappling. Um, and you know, whether it's, you know, going with, you know, going and wrestling with the Canadian Olympic team, and they're certainly not at the level of some of the uh, American guys, but you know, it it just, it just got you to really uh, hammer home that you need to be around the best people you can find. Um, and, um, Finding the keys to their success and and understanding, you know, their methodology and their technical uh, acumen is is huge.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of what you were saying just kind of reminded me of of a post that John Donaher made recently. I don't know if you follow him on social media, Mm -hmm. but he posted about George St. Pierre training with some of the top guys of his DDS squad and how George… He can definitely hang with them, but he's really, you know, outside of his comfort zone training with these guys who do only jujitsu, and he, he makes himself vulnerable and puts himself in positions where he really shouldn't be winning because these guys are putting so much time into into their craft, and he's just jumping into into those deep waters. So absolutely. Um, so it sounds like you kind of got that type of training with with wrestling and probably with striking coaches for us got brought
1: in. So that's awesome. It's really I, I, cool. Hundred percent. You know, prior to the BJ Penn fight, you know, I I actually for the BJ Penn fight. Um, I brought a s you know, a couple of sparring partners out for a week at a time or a couple of weeks, that was all they were able to come out for. But um, you know, other than that, I kind of was a big fish in a small pond and while you can certainly get better that way, um, it, it's not a healthy environment if you're trying to be truly world class. Like, you know, I remember my brother asking me before, you know, after the B J Penn fight, he's like, When's the last time someone's been on your back and you've had to defend from there? I was like, Uh, I couldn't even remember, and, and that's not necessarily a, that's not a good thing, you know. Not only was I ignoring mm-hmm. the defensive aspects of my jiu jitsu, but I wasn't being pushed by other really good jitsu guys. So I, that's when I really knew I had to I had to go out and and seek the best training possible, and that meant you know going to New York and and training with John, Dan- John Danaher and those guys out in at Henzo's, and um, you know traveling to Montreal and. Um, You know, I, I just kept investing more and more into myself and into my training.
0: Yeah, you know, and I just I just saw uh, a flow grappling Balea's breakdown with Ricardo Amendoli. He interviewed Craig Jones, and um, that was one of the, that's one of the things that I hear a lot of the DDS guys talk about is they start in bad positions, and a lot of it is situational training from an unfavorable position. And that, uh, I mean, I've had to do that, too. I come from an academy where it's mostly master's competitors, mm. so I have to consistently put myself in those positions to make myself viable, more viable for competition. And I think that that's an interesting theme that I think not a lot of people talk about, but it is implemented at the highest level of different academies and it's really interesting that you pointed that out
1: yeah you know i I think um that that's such a valuable training tool you know when you look at and you think about what makes you um difficult to defeat right it's like we we were talking about we were joking about superman earlier right we're talking about clark kent what would superman (laughs) be if if you could just shoot him and kill him now Superman could still have his strength he could still have his you know his uh laser eyes and uh you know his speed and all that stuff but if x-ray vision vulnerable, laser eyes then x-ray vision <laughs> exactly he wouldn't he wouldn't uh he wouldn't be as powerful you know you look at a lot of like the superheroes like if they were if they were vulnerable, then you know they they wouldn't be who they are. You can have amazing offensive capabilities, but if you're defensively very vulnerable, then I can kill you. If you work on not being killed and not being hurt first, now you can go wherever you want. Now you can do whatever the heck you want to do. I remember Roger Gracie talking about that way way back in the day, and he was like, he's like, I was like. 16, 15, 17 years old in England, you know, training with adult men who were trying to tap out a Gracie every single day. He's like, so, you know, I had to get really good at defending myself. He goes, and once I, once I had that confidence, he's like, I realized I could go wherever I could do my jitsu and not have to worry about being submitted. He goes, it just gave me so much more confidence.
0: Mm -hmm. I actually want to ask you this, Kenny. I want to, uh, and this, uh, I'll, as let you answer in a, in a second Danny but uh my experience was when I was a kid it was the same thing when I was a kid I was mm-hmm. very like I'm I'm a pretty tall guy mm-hmm. and when I was a kid I was very tall and very skinny so I was too big for the kids class and I had to go into the adult class early was that a similar experience you had at the start of your jujitsu journey like you had to you were grappling against people bigger and stronger than you and then that experience taught you
1: that lesson too Def definitely um you know I think that uh that certainly helped i i was probably one of the smaller guys in, in my academy and um you know throughout my career and really yeah throughout everything that i've probably done i've been thrown into the deep end extremely quickly you know for better or worse and it's forced me to have mm-hmm. to learn a lot quicker you know i um I got my purple belt, like, in a year and a half. I got my brown belt in, like, three and a half years. I got my black belt in, like, five years. And that was also while I was, like, playing soccer at Boston College uh, for the first, like, year or two. So, you know, that's cool and stuff like that. But, like, I don't know. I would have liked to take more time to get better and and get more experience. And then when I was in the UFC, I had, like, three or four fights. Like, I'm in the UFC. I'm in you know, what many consider the the most elite mixed martial arts organization. And here I I am, smaller than everybody, less experienced than everybody, and um, I have to fight these monsters. So, yeah, it it forces you to think differently. It forces you to have to come up with better solutions and quicker solutions. And, um, yeah, you're going to suffer a little bit in the beginning, but I think overall you're going to learn a lot more in the end.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like you definitely had
2: a, a very steep rise in in the UFC and and in jiu-jitsu like you said you got your purple and your brown belt really fast. Um, what do you think are some of the disadvantages of that, to, you know, rising through the ranks really fast and everyone has high expectations really early on in your career and you're fighting the top-level guys within just a couple of years? Like do you think there's any disadvantages to not taking like a longer road and um, you know, s- s- starting from like an amateur position and
1: slowly building up towards the pros and then to the top guys? Well, you know, I think that the more that you can see and the more that you can experience, the better it's going to be. And I think, you know, for you guys who started off obviously much younger than myself, I think it's important to have that confidence and have that experience for uh, each rank, right? Um, You don't want to be, you know, the best blue belt in the world, but, Be competing against brown belts, you know. It's like, yeah, you're you're going to get better, but you're you're going to take a lot of L's, and and not not that it's a bad thing necessarily, but like that could also stunt your growth and frustrate a younger mind. And um, I I think that you you want to they they have ranks for a reason. I think, and you compete at certain ranks for a reason. Um, and you want to get and see as much as possible in, in each rank. And I think that's only, only going to help a competitor's confidence and ability and, and, and technical um, uh, aspects. And, yeah, I, I think taking your time, especially for something like fighting, where you could potentially take life-changing damage. Like, And we forget about that. But, you know… yeah it's it's exaggerated times, but you are potentially one punch away from not being the same. Um, that's a real thing. Uh, so yeah. I think when you when you put it in the context of mixed martial arts, the mistakes you make are that much more important. The position uh, is is really rules everything. Um, if you're not in the right position or if you don't know what you're doing, you can get hurt and get hurt very badly.
0: Yeah sure. I mean, uh, you know' what's funny is one of the one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you that you've answered in many different ways throughout this podcast is what advice would you give to aspiring jiu-jitsu athletes who come from jiu-jitsu going in MMA right now we see athletes like Lucas mm. Barbosa um of has even hinted at it hmm. Gordon Ryan's hinted at it even though now he's m- mostly going to be doing grappling superfights for one FC but Gary Tonin's in there what advice would you give to young aspiring jiu-jitsu athletes maybe something that you haven't said yet that maybe you could touch on um, that want to get into MMA
1: gotcha um, I, I'd say this is that don't, don't do it for anything other than, uh, love for the martial arts. Like if you're trying to become a millionaire or if you're trying to be famous, um, it's, it's not the right sport. You're going to get hurt badly. Um, do it because mm-hmm. you have a genuine love and curiosity for mixed martial arts. You, you're, you aspire to be the best at it. Um, and I think the other thing is like, don't you know if you are currently in jiu jitsu and that is your ultimate goal you know don't try to play you know gamey little systems that are going to give you quick results now but um, long term results you are going to you know cause you to suffer so i mean you know go in there to get connected to your opponent and look for ways to uh, positionally outmaneuver them and really look for ways to be positionally dominant not look for, you know, cheesy little sweeps to win the match um, or, you know, be in, quarter quarter mount you know for the majority of the uh, of the match and then you know last 30 seconds you sweep them from half Mm -hmm. guard and you get your points it's like that's not going to work in mixed martial arts you know like you have to know where you are positionally vulnerable to punches kicks knees elbows all that stuff Um, and that really comes with understanding positions not doing positions
0: so don't do gimmicks
1: yeah don't exactly.
0: be a don't be a gimmicky idiot got you okay you probably
1: you probably said that way quicker and better than i did yes <laughs> well no no i'm just because my brain is uh you know
0: you're you know uh, both of you danny danny actually i joke consistently mr florian that danny uh has about 135 uh, percent of the brains of open guard cast and i'm rocking a nice 65 um and i'm trying like dude well, I'm trying my best. Um, a lot of people don't believe it, and then they meet us in person, and they're like, oh, my gosh. We're, I'm sorry, Danny. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, what's funny is Danny and I are actually going to do our, our first uh, commentary job for uh, EUG2. Hell, yeah. Just want to throw out that little shout-out out there that we're going to be doing the, the second EUG promotions. Uh did my first commentary job, but I'll let Danny get the next question. Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just kind of wanted to go back to, to what Jake was asking about with Jiu-Jitsu fighters transitioning to MMA. And, like, my favorite example of this, outside of guys like yourself who are, like, pioneers, um, like, more modern examples is, like, Ryan Hall. And he's someone that that you've had the opportunity to work with a lot. Um, So do you want to talk about what it was like working with him? And I feel like he definitely embodies what you said. Like, he loves mixed martial arts. He's not just a Jiu-Jitsu guy who is looking for a payday. So (laughs) I was just thinking of him the whole time you gave that last answer. But can you just talk about about working with Ryan Hall?
1: Yeah, you know, um, Ryan... I've I've had the pleasure of working with some of the best martial arts in the world, and I've met some of the best martial arts in the world. I've had the opportunity of interviewing the best martial arts in the world. Ryan stands out for me above everybody else because, you know, he is so serious about combat and martial arts. Um, he lives it. He, he he truly lives it. Like he lives and breathes it. And that's all he wants to do. Um, that is something that he is truly special at, and I think he thinks and performs differently because of that. Um, he is one of, first of all, one of the smartest people I've met in general. Not just in martial arts. I mean, like one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. Um, and he's one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet. Um, he he works extremely hard to do what he does and he thinks extremely hard about what he does all the time and i think he's always looking for quality feedback and he's another guy who invests so much into his training 24 7 whether he has a fight or not he's got someone uh staying at his place like one two or three people or he's going somewhere to train with guys and he's another guy that's always been pushing the envelope as far as seeking out the very best guys and having the opportunity to see him work and having the opportunity to both help him and get help from him um, has been one of the smartest decisions that I've ever made Um, and it's it's an absolute honor and pleasure to to train with and and work with Ryan Hall That's
2: awesome. So, so he's definitely extremely outspoken about all the help that you've given him, and he's talked about it in a lot of interviews. Just how you're able to help him, not just with like the striking, but like I think he's mentioned just like tying everything together and and having like a good game plan and a good strategy for all his fights. But what are some of the some of the main things Ryan's helped you with as a martial artist? Because you're still competing and training in jiu-jitsu, and you're definitely still trying to evolve. So, what are some of the main things he's helped you with?
1: You know, I, I think just him just being aware of some of you know, the positional mistakes that I make um, and, you know, him understanding so much of what's going on. And even, you know, it's, you know, there's certain people that when you roll with them, like you roll with them once and you feel like you got better. I think Ryan's that guy, like where you Mm -hmm. you train with him, you're like, wow, I feel like I just got better just like through osmosis. Um, But then it's his it's his technical and tactical ability to explain things too. Like he's able to explain things on a completely different level than everybody. Um, and I remember when he, could, I think he contacted me back in 2014. I wasn't doing any training. I wasn't able to train. My back was in really bad shape. And uh, you know, I said, "Listen, I, I'll I'll train you and teach you whatever I know from mixed martial arts. If you help me with my jiu-jitsu, I, I want to get back into it. I've been trying to get back into it." And it was just a completely different approach than everybody out there. He wasn't teaching me how to do moves. He was like teaching me how everything works. And I think there's a difference. And I think that's really what separates him. He's out there uh, to truly understand. And once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it.
0: (laughs) Mm. That's awesome. So would you say it's more like conceptualized? Like he's really going over the not just the what, where, and when, but the why and how? Definitely definitely hmm. that's really that's really interesting because danny and i both like a uh, danny i'm i'm aspiring coach as well like i really cool. i enjoy teaching students my academy so hearing these kind of things is really good um for i think young people like me because i'm 23 and i really want to be able to not only take jujitsu as far as i can um competitively but also you know aspiring commentator and everything like that but uh I want to know, Kenny, since you've brought up that, oh, I want to get back into jiu-jitsu, and also, you know, Ryan Hall, amazing jiu-jitsu in its own, like, not just MMA. Obviously, his jiu-jitsu and MMA just looks leagues ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you have any plans to get back, maybe competitively or in other facets of the jiu-jitsu community as well? Do you have any inside information on perhaps Ryan Hall uh, doing some stuff in the jiu-jitsu community?
1: Yeah, you know, um, for Ryan, I I think that, you know, he... Continues to bring in a a lot of guys um, to help him, um, a lot of really good Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belts. And I I do know just from being there and watching, you know, they all come away, you know, with their minds blown for a lot of different reasons because Ryan is Mm. now kind of the MMA guy. And they're like, well, I've been competing and I'm a seasoned Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to surprise Mr. MMA guy. And they walk away, (laughs) you know, basically not understanding what even happened like they're like i don't even know i just got thrown into the ryan hall hurricane there was a bunch of tapping and uh it, it was not ryan <laughs> but um so i i think i would love to see it I, I think that ryan um is kind of really more focused on mixed martial arts i think that he has kind of you know i, I don't want to speak for him um but i i do think that you know, for, for jiu-jitsu, I think that there's ways to kind of – and Gordon Ryan has talked about this where, you know, there's ways to be cheesy and, and stall your way to a win, especially if it's like a six-minute match or a ten-minute match. Um, and I think Ryan kind of gets frustrated a little bit. And I think a, a lot of people in general, you know, if you're watching jiu-jitsu these days, it can be very frustrating. Um, you know, you, you want to see um, – positional exchanges and and you typically don't see a whole lot of it. Sometimes you see it and it's like because one guy is just significantly better than the other and there's just a series of mistakes that happen. But amongst the elite competitors, you don't see guys going for it um, sometimes um, either because they're trying to protect what's going on or sometimes there's just a legitimate like tight battle that, you know, no one's really giving an inch. So I don't know. Um, So... For him, I, I don't think it's that beneficial for him to go out and compete, uh, I, I guess, from what I, I've heard. Um, he, he would rather focus on something a little bit more serious where it's harder to hide in a mixed martial arts fight than it is in jiu I think. Mm. For sure.
2: Yeah. Awesome. So, so, Jay, did you have any more jiu-jitsu or MMA-related questions? Because I kind of wanted to pivot and get into some of the commentary stuff. That's okay. mm,
0: No, I'm all good. I, uh, I'm, I'm... I'm Filled with the jujitsu knowledge now and MMA knowledge, we're good. That's a bad way to put it. You get it. <laughs> so, so you
2: you mentioned a little bit about about your back injury and how that was um, something that affected you later in your MMA career. So um, after that, you got into to, to commentary. Now you're commentating a lot of the UFC's biggest events. But I remember back in the day, you used to be on a show called MMA Live. I believe that's what it was called. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about that show and kind of what impact that? that show had on you? Cause I feel like a lot of like the hardcore MMA fans, they know about that show. It was like the first big internet MMA show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it had a big impact on a lot of people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thanks man. Um, yeah, I, I kind of had this opportunity to, uh, be an ESPN analyst w- while I was still fighting and I was both excited and also disappointed because I was excited obviously cause it was an awesome opportunity. Um, but, um, I was a little disappointed because it, it came while I was fighting and and I, always wanted to spend my time training so it, it took away from that a little bit I, i'd have to wake up at like three in the morning in boston you know shower up put a suit on drive two and a half hours to bristol connecticut from boston you know start working at around six thirty, seven a.m and by the time it was noon time i'd be like literally dozing off like Heading home uh, to Boston, it was so dangerous. But anyways, yeah. um, so that like that kind of ruined my training day um, or two, maybe. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. But it was an um, it was an amazing opportunity because I became one of the first mixed martial arts analysts that like did it on a big network, which was really cool. And it led to so many other opportunities uh, to be, you know, a full time commentator with the UFC. Uh, to, you know. Working as a host, I was like the first, I think, professional athlete that hosted a show. Um, I, I hosted uh, UFC Tonight on on Fox Sports and then um, got a chance to, you know, host other things like, you know, I think I, I hosted like the Hooters pageant like three times and uh, ended up working on BattleBots <laughs> and ABC and Discovery Channel and – um, it did a bunch of other TV things and now I'm, um, I'm, I'm g- going to be a commentator for the PFL. So it's, it's led to so many cool opportunities that kind of still roll in from time to time. And I do my podcast with John annick So I think getting as many repetitions as possible as you guys are finding out and you guys will find out mm-hmm. is, is the best thing, right? Obviously as jiu-jitsu guys, you guys know that, uh, getting reps, getting experience is huge of like, you know, there's. The ability to do things drilling. There's the ability to do things in sparring and training. And then there's the ability to do things live. And sometimes mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, we're not able to, like, really show how good we are, like, in when you do it for real. And you end up having to figure that out really quickly. When that red light goes on, you're like, you're live. Like, there's no – take backs right like we can't you there's no do-overs you either you know Mm -hmm. are gonna look good or you're gonna look like a jackass uh and and we we all look like jackasses right and 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 different aspects of our life and um you make mistakes but you either sink or swim man and and uh, you you get better or you you kind of get fired (laughs) you get fired so it's a cool process it's a cool process You get better
0: or you get fired. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Pretty much. That's endearing. (laughs) Cutthroat
1: world. (laughs)
0: Um, And you know what? I actually wanted to add. This is a question that I'm going to frame like it's for everybody listening, but this is more of a question for me and Danny. Um, uh, (laughs) What are some steps that uh, somebody like us, we're we're both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. um, We just now are getting into professional Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu commentary. Like I said, I've I've commentated shows before, but I take it very, very seriously. And I want to be able to, uh, I'll just be transparent. I want to be able to move up the ladder and I want to make commentary my career. That is is where I'm at. Um, What are some steps that someone like me would take someone like me being me would take (laughs) um, To get there to to what are some things because I am the kind of guy who Will put my nose down and work until it happens and pass it happening Uh, So what are some things that you could that you would recommend doing?
1: You know number one, I I think you're doing it Um, You know, honestly, I I think that you know, it's clear that you have that passion uh, For what you're doing. I, I think I've said this over and over, I sound like a broken record, but you know th- that is like seventy percent of it, and then you know so watching as much of it as you can and watching other sports and kind of seeing how other people do it and then kind of putting your own spin on it you know you're you're good Mm -hmm. with a mic i can see that already you you have a good knack for showing your personality and your charisma and and um you know and, and giving your experience and and um you know explaining you know what's going on um i think teaching is a huge thing um and you know I think that's kind of the best way to approach it is, you know, and you guys already have that teaching experience of like, all right, well, how do I communicate this to someone who may not have like, maybe they've never seen jujitsu before, you know, obviously a lot of people have seen jitsu before, but how do you explain it in terms where other people really understand what's going on? How can you explain it to a five-year-old? And, you know, to get to that simple process is complicated. Um, Uh, Because, you know, there's so much going on. There really is so much going on. But you guys competing and teaching and watching it um, and repeating that process, you guys will refine it over and over and over again. And, you know, as far as researching it, okay, well, you know, coming up with you know, perhaps like a file on each and every guy who competes and being like, this is what their game is. This is how they like to uh, compete. This is their style. These are their weaknesses. These are their strengths. And kind of coming up with this digitized file of everybody or maybe some of the top guys or the guys that you're researching for the upcoming tournament or event, um, I think is a a great way to go about it. And I think as martial artists, you'll find that you will gain so many benefits from that as well, uh, just for your own practice.
0: All right. Thank that's you. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah that's
2: awesome advice.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, and you know, we,
0: we, that's what we did for this last show. Danny Danny was like uh, handing me flashcards. It's pretty funny. But, um, <laughs> and it, it was really helpful. That's awesome. But um, that's very important to hear, you know, because uh, I feel like there's not, in, in the Jiu Jitsu community, uh, there are like, there are some commentators who commentate multiple, multiple shows, such as like John Evans. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I think you've worked with John Evans, yeah, no? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Uh, at IBJF yeah yeah that guy's awesome he's giving yeah. me so much commentary advice he's a friend of mine yeah and uh hearing him and his approach to it is so professional compared to like some events that have just kind of a guy who mm-hmm. no one knows who he is he might I, I think he might have actually worked at concessions and he came to the event <laughs> um <laughs> and uh they pulled him for commentary but yeah. um that's not what I want to be I want to you know I'm I'm really sorry. I'm like sweating now because I heard the advice and now I'm like applying it. But uh,
1: no, it's so <laughs> I really true. appreciate and, it. I, and I think John does a good, really good job. Like you, you want to be able to give the information. You want to be able to relate it to yourself also without making it about yourself. So it's like they're, yes. they're, It's it's such a balancing act of like really giving them those nuggets and giving the people at home those nuggets and that information. And I think like having Danny – to go back and forth and actually discussing things before you even talk about it is huge because you'll get nuggets from each other and you guys may agree or disagree on certain things and, you know, it may get you to think a little bit differently about things and even just like discussing it with other people too. Like, hey, what do you think about this mm-hmm. guy? What do you, well, why do you think that? Okay, well, why do you think he's going to win? How do you think he's going to win? And, you know, whether you agree or not, it's going to give you a different perspective and, you know, getting that from other high level brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts i think is is, is huge you know
0: yeah uh, my professor said cuz he he knows that i want to do this as well he said you remember that you're only as good as the rival or you're only um able to be as good as the rivals you choose so if your rivals are are people at your level like you have to shoot far and above like you have Absolutely. to think, no, 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 I want to be as good as an espn plus commentator i want to be as good or even better than a than a UFC commentator let's say 100%. which being better than John Anik, Kenny Florian very difficult <laughs> huge fan of John yeah. Annick good luck uh, no, uh, no, I love John Annick his stories are so funny where he where he's like right in the go- the jolly green giant paul felder and you're like dude this guy's hilarious um that's my John Annick impression by the way but uh yeah you're only good as rivals you choose that was my that was my little tidbit of information like there it. Danny tried to get me to do a Chael Sonnen on the show, or uh, Chael Sonnen impression on the show, but i I don't think it's I don't think it's uh I don't think it's that good. I think it's just a, a funny real caricature. Quick, real
2: quick, real quick,
0: do it real quick. You know, yeah, quick. Ariel, we're here with Kenny Florian, and the thing about <laughs> Kenny uh, is one of the best legends of the sport. He's a jiu-jitsu guy. Craig Jones is the best Mar- nogi grappler, but Kenny Kenny he's working with Ryan Hall. Ryan all Ariel
1: <laughs> that's, that's very very that's good solid. actually that's really good <laughs> and, and it's and just like Chael I feel like he talked a lot without telling me anything I was like I don't <laughs> no, even know what yeah. he just there, what did he tell me there's no
0: message there's no message there's, there's, a there's just a lot of like <laughs> yeah. things throwing
1: yeah that's just that's really chair, good he's
0: like oh. he's like John Jones Let's yeah. talk about John Jones. Oh, yeah. Jones. Jones. This, guy's, Jones. this guy's Jones. so let's smart, but what is he saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's talk let's. about him. Goes on a five-minute tangent about like Ryan Bader, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> he's not even in the UFC. That's amazing. Oh dear. Oh
1: man, that's, ama- that's amazing.
2: That's uh, awesome. All right, cool. Great. Thank you. So, I'm gonna be more confident so Jay, in the impression. Jay, that was very good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, do you have any more questions for Kenny? We don't want to take up too much of your time. No, today. man. It's I honestly, we really appreciate
0: it, Kenny. It's been, it's been awesome, man. And uh, a lot of the, like, we're really going to put this into practice and I'm very excited for the future. I really believe that Danny and I, you know, we we're aiming to be a light in the jiu-jitsu community. uh, Really just, be the kind of podcast that we call ourselves the people's podcast, like affectionately towards our goal. Then that sounds funny, but like we really want to be a podcast of the people. We want to branch out and do amazing things in the sport and transcend into MMA and just try to be a light, a different kind of podcast. And we really appreciate you coming on, and taking the time. That was, I mean, you didn't have to do that and you did anyway. So we really appreciate you, man. And uh, yeah, if you ever, I mean... <laughs> We'll, we'll always be uh, a call away if you want to come back on. But uh. <laughs> I love
1: it, guys. No, of course. of course. Thank you guys so much for having me on. You guys are well on your way, and um, you guys do a great job, and, and uh, definitely would be willing to come back on. Thanks, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Of course. Yeah, well, awesome. uh, should I do the outro then, Danny?
2: Yeah, yeah, go
0: for it. <laughs> no episode is complete without an outro. This this has been episode 90 of the Open Guardcast. That is 21 episodes ahead of 69. Um, make sure, guys, that you go to Electrum Performance. It's on the App Store. I think it's on Google Play if you have an Android. Are you, wait, do you have an Android, Kenny? Oh, my gosh. Does he have an Android? <laughs> oh, No. No, you don't? Good. You're not one of those people. Uh, if you're one of the weird people who has an Android, you can go to Google Play and use Electric Performance as well. Um, but if you're civilized folk, go to the App Store and download <laughs> the app, get your gains on, get thick, mean, lean, swole, and uh, tell them that we sent you. Uh, and we also want to thank Matakaba BJJ, Marcio Andre Academy, Agro Brand, and all you guys for listening to one of our favorite episodes yet. Thank you. Dan or Kenny, is anybody you want to shout out?
2: I think we, the connection might be, uh, might be going. Is there anybody down. you want to it. shout
0: out, Mr. Florian? Now I got okay. it. Thank you. Uh,
1: so, sorry, yeah. go ahead.
0: What was, what was the question? <laughs> I was going to say, is there anybody you want to shout out?
1: Uh, not really. Um, you know, uh, Thank you guys for, for, for having me on. Um, if anyone wants to check out, um, I, I got a little jitsu YouTube channel. If you guys want to check it out, I hope it's helpful. I, I try to share some of the uh, conceptual uh um, ideas and, and, uh, teaching styles. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that's it. I ho- hope to have a, a, an instructional out later this year and, uh, you know, to everyone who is, uh, practicing jitsu, have fun and, and, uh, be safe.
2: Awesome. So yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again to Kenny. Definitely check out his YouTube channel. He's got some awesome videos up there. Like you said, he's going to be working to, to add some more stuff to it. So it's, it's really great stuff. Definitely check it out. And yeah, this has been episode 90 with Kenny Florian and we will see all you guys soon for episode 91. Take care. Awesome.